Hello and welcome to the Blend Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Rapp. With the dust now settled after the Blend's biggest ever annual conference and networking event for independent garages last month, we thought it timely to reflect back on the garage industry trends of the last 12 months with Alex Lindley and take a look ahead at what we might expect in the new year with some excellent tips and advice on what you should be doing now to hit the ground running in January. Before that though, let's catch up with Garage Hive's Dawn Metcalf to find out more about some of the many new and exciting developments from the award-winning garage management system, Garage Hive, that were announced at The Blend. Dawn, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Mike. How are you? I'm great, thanks for asking. I'm sure many of our listeners will already know you, but for those that don't, perhaps you can give us an introduction into who you are and what you do at Garage Hive. I'm the operations manager and product owner within Garage Hive, so that involves me um, helping and assisting with the support, the onboarding and the training side of Garage Hive. Um, The product owner side of my role is dealing with any upcoming developments and features um, and requests from our community. And it's those developments that we're hoping to dig into a little deeper today. Lots were obviously unveiled at the blend just a few weeks ago. So let's get started with the community feedback enhancements. Of course, yeah. So what we do try and do is keep our community up to date with any new features that we have um, upcoming um, via the Facebook community page um, and also via a monthly newsletter um, which gets emailed out. Um, But what we wanted to do was try and run a webinar um, where, again, we could get all of the community together um, and discuss, as again, anything that's recently been released, um, but also what's actually being worked on at the moment and what is likely to begin being developed in the very near future. And you've just done your first webinar too, right? We've just done our first Office Hours webinar. Um, It was a great success and really, really looking forward to the next one. How often do those webinars happen? We're going to be running them monthly. Um, And as I say, with the fact that customers can see what is due to be coming into the development board, um, it will also give them the opportunity to opt in to assist with being a beta tester um, of these new products and features. And the ideas page, how's that gone? Yeah, really, really well, actually. I mean, we've always said that we're a community-driven garage management system, um, and that was sort of one of the reasons why we created this live website um, so that our community can go to this um, website and create their own wish list for any future development. Um, They can go submit any ideas that they've got. um, They therefore no longer have to call support or email support with their requests and they can do it at any time of the day. So most of our customers don't stop working and when the garage closes. So we usually see an influx of um, ideas coming through during the evenings. What kind of ideas are you seeing coming through? We have seen quite a few um more integration um, requests coming through, as well as some refinements of the existing sort of capabilities within Garage Hive. One of the other big announcements, cloud configuration enhancements. And we have started the transition of moving over to um, to the pure cloud. Currently, we're working on what we call the hybrid cloud. Um, and what that will mean is it's going to give customers access to the actual ecosystem of uh, Microsoft. Um, within there, there's some really cool capabilities, such as access to Microsoft's AI-driven co-pilot feature. 
Um, and also their marketplace, um, which will include most people have heard of the Power Apps, um, which will allow customers to extract their data um, from Garage Hive and also assist with any automations that they may wish to do. That's a massive development and one which will no doubt benefit Garage Hive users. For anyone that may not be fully up to speed on the technology behind this, do you have an example on how it will benefit them? One other thing that um, when we transition over to the Pure Cloud that customers will be able to do, um, which they've not got the capability to do currently, is actually customise specific areas within their system, um, such as vehicle cards, um, to contain more relevant information to their business. Um, so that is something that we have regular requests about certain date um, requirements within certain areas within the system, whereas that now can be done very easily with the cloud. That's really exciting to hear. Moving on to other developments, what about new supply chain integrations? The first one that I'd like to talk about is ParsLink24. So this was a feature when it was announced that customers were really excited about. A lot of them already use the software. Um, and one really cool thing about it is that we were the first to integrate with them um, within the UK, the first business and company to integrate with them within the UK. Um, so that is really, really good um, for us as a business. Um, so we've had a couple of garages who have been testing it for us. Um, it is now um, available to be self-enabled with it in, within Garage Hive, um, but we will also be looking at enabling it for everyone in the coming weeks. Um, the feedback we've had has been really positive. Um, so the ability to be able to access the platform and order directly from within Garage Hive has been a real time saver for these garages who have been using it. Another um, positive that we've had um, feedback on is the fact that it's the ability to look up any diagrams for any dealer specific parts that they might need to find. In reality, they used to have to contact dealerships and wait for that to be emailed across to them, whereas now they can access that directly from the tablets um, or also from the front of house for the service advisors. I suppose it's all of these small efficiencies that make a big difference. It, it really, really is. I say a lot of people were used to using the platform anyway, um, but the ability to have it um, all within one system, not having to have lots of tabs open um, and opening up specifically um, with the, the vehicle information that they need. Um, as I say, the, the diagrams in particular are something that's really been useful um, for some of the garages that have been testing. Access to the Mitchell Diva tyre catalogue is another new one, right? It is, yeah. So we have been working on um, this development for probably since the last blend, um, really. Um, and we've just been refining it. As with any of the developments that we do, we're consistently trying to improve. Um, so we had it as a base product um, sort of a year ago. Um, but since then, we've really been adding more and more capabilities to it. So currently, um, if you use the tyre catalogue um, within Garage, Hive, you can look up a tyre, look for quantities that you require. Initially, you will be shown what you have in your local stock, so on your shelves, um, which can be quite useful for people who do keep a lot of tyres in stock. Um, in addition to that, though, it will also show Mitchell Diva's live um, catalogue um, together with um, prices, availabilities, um, and also when you will receive that particular tyre and then it off times for when you need to order it for, our, um, for as well. Could you tell us more about the introduction of the Castrol lookup tool please? 
Absolutely. So this currently is enabled for everybody. Um, it will save um, them from having to go to an external website again. It's all accessed from within Garage Hive. And with the amount of different oils that are going into vehicles these days, it's really going to help quickly identify the correct specifications. And that's from a trusted brand. Um, so they know exactly what they need to be fitting to that vehicle. Um, it's going to help speed and efficiency in day-to-day -day tasks. And that's both available for the technicians and the service advisors because it actually opens focused on the correct vehicle that they're needing to find this information for. In addition to the, the lookup that's currently available, we will also soon be adding the capability to link the Castrol part numbers to any existing item numbers within Garage Hive so that that will give you the ability to add those um, to any of the service documents. What's the advice for garages when it comes to using the lookup tool? I know the guys at Castro suggested that this new integration is an ideal opportunity for front of house to look up the correct oil at the point of booking. Absolutely. So we have some garages who keep a huge range of different specifications of oils on their shelves. However, um, for those ones who haven't got that capability, as soon as the vehicle's booked in, as I say, with so many different specifications of oil nowadays, if you need to get those ordered in, um, then having that ability to look this up at the time of booking, you will know whether or not that's something you keep on the shelf um, and therefore make sure you can get it ordered in um, in readiness for when that car comes in. Now are there any other exciting features to come out soon? We do have one of a feature which was um, announced at the blend. It's not currently available, but we are still working on it. And that's the capability to add videos from either YouTube or vehicle visuals, which um, customers will be able to use within Garage Hive's online authorization. So a lot of people in the past have asked if we have that video capability um, within Garage Hive this is going to be able to offer that um, once it's been released, which hopefully will be within the next month or so. So this is an excellent example of garages requesting something that you are now implementing. Absolutely. I was to say right at the beginning and um, when we was talking about the ideas page, it is community driven software. Um, we always try and listen and make sure that we can accommodate as many of our customers as possible with what we introduce into Garage Hive. Dawn, thanks so much for the update. Lots of exciting developments there and I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. The Blend Podcast, inspiring success from within the community. Next, I'm really pleased to be joined by Alex Lindley, Director of Garage Hive and Managing Director of Lindley's Auto Centres. Alex, welcome back on to the Blend podcast. Thank you, Mike. It's uh, it's good to be back post Blend. How was the Blend for you? I mean, for me personally, it was it was just an awesome weekend. Just spent great conversations with great friends, really. Um, but all the people I spoke to, from Garage Hive customers and and the non Garage Hive customers and and the partners of the Blend everybody seems to have been really positive and, and they're already talking about next year's blend. So I guess from that perspective, you would, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd call it a success. I'd certainly say so. And for the benefit of those listening that didn't manage to get tickets, here's just a little flavour of what you missed out on. I'm Ray Davis, uh, workshop controller at Stanley Service Station. I'm Stuart Rewcroft, um, owner of Stanley Service Station. Everyone's to share knowledge, share information. That's yeah. right, we're on year three. Yeah, you speak to somebody different every year. Pick um, someone up, 
you learn something new, you go back to the garage and you try it. Simon Haycock, Forge Garage Lower Brails uh, near Banbury. It's the community feel. You know, the, the people are so friendly, they want to talk about their business, share ideas. It's really helpful, you know, when you're running a a small business to have this community behind you. My name's Steve Scott, um, I'm the founder of the Simply Diag Network. Sat on four sessions today, um, Tim Benson, Jim from HR Vitals, uh, Matt Cleveley from Cleveley EV and then Tom Cockins. It's been a really inspirational day today and looking around in the, in the room and that we've, we've got the cream of the UK aftermarket here. And I should say there, that first audio clip you heard was taken during the annual community photo, which the photographer actually struggled to get everyone into this year. And no wonder, as the blend 2023 was actually 40% bigger than the previous year. It truly was a special event, Alex. There's a unique energy at the blend. We know as a company, we're very fortunate to, to have this special event under the Garage Hive banner. <clears throat> but but really we just want to do it justice for the community it is the community that makes that event like nobody is under any illusions that without the people that attend that event it wouldn't be as special as it was a great example is the community organizing the after party themselves and for anyone that attended that after party will know just how fast those three to four hours went and just how much fun it was it was it was just such a incredible feeling to be in a room of 200 people and three to four hours literally just went in the blink of an eye and everybody was just having the, uh, such a great night and it, it is community is used a lot these days um but i, I genuinely think that it is a fantastic community and, and we're very fortunate and the real hardcore among you went on to complete a charity hike that week too yeah so uh, again it's, it, it really does come down to sort of the community spirit of garage hive so igars um for those that don't know is is um garage hive's uh, head developer lead developer i mean he comes to the uk once a year to attend the blend and after the blend he likes to get out and go and see various customers and this year he wanted to do something slightly different now he's is um he's into his extreme sports shall we say so he was trying to convince me to do something extreme uh, so i toned it down and asked him if he wanted to go for a a walk up a hill instead uh, which he agreed to and we invited a few people put the post out in the forum expecting I don't know 10 people to attend that quickly turned into uh, about 30 people deciding that they want to come and then, and then I was getting messages from people outside the community asking if they can attend the hike as well and then partners and suppliers and all of a sudden it, it in itself turned into a big event that I really could have done without having to organize just before the blend um, but then we decided to bolt um, supporting the Ben charity onto it and, and the blend supports Ben anyway. So we decided to wrap this hike under the banner of the blend. And then we created a charity page for the community to raise funds for Ben. We ended up with 150 odd donations and, and raised over £12,000, which is which is quite incredible. And again, I want to stress that that is absolutely the work of, the, again, the Garage Hive community is. It is pretty special. Um, as a result of the success of that hike, we've also organised another hike next year now. So somehow we've managed to create an automotive-based hike. Uh, so yeah, it was a, a silly little idea that's now turned into a, a, an annual event, which is which is great. And we're really looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. A fantastic achievement from the entire community. Let's move on to Garage Industry Trends, if we could. It's been over a year since you launched Trends. What has it achieved? In just raw numbers, um, we've seen about 4,000 unique visitors from over 50 countries. 
We've had 11,000 impressions, 450,000 transactions of data, and that's that's now increasing at a rate of 8,000 lines per day. We've got 140 garages opted in, and, and we've got quarter at uh, 250 million lines of MOT data in there. So that was within the first year of trends. Um, in terms of what it's achieved from people's perspective, I've, I, I know of lots of garage owners now that actually reference this data as part of their strategy, as part of their sort of weekly, or in some cases, a part of a daily process, just to connect with the pattern of the industry and just feel closer to the, the broader picture that's going on in the industry. Uh, and, and then again, I know that lots of suppliers and, and, and other businesses, not just garages, are, are also using this this data. So talk us through the trends that have emerged during that first year. Any surprising or unexpected trends, perhaps? So there, there, there are two forms of trends. There is the data that Garage Hive collects from its customers that opt in. And then there is the data that trends analyzes from the DVSA. So the data that we've collected from the Garage Hive community, uh, I wouldn't say surprising, but I would say incredibly positive. So some headline figures, uh, labor rate increased by 10%, which is absolutely fantastic. Wales actually saw an increase of 18%. So our customers that come from Wales actually, as an average, was an increase in, in 18%. And the average labor rate is now sitting at £72, which I think is a great achievement. And it's absolutely where the industry needs to be. Inflation has been heavy and that inflation has been applied correctly to the labor rates and those costs have been passed on which absolutely as they should be what that's translated to uh, in terms of average invoice value is actually an increase in average invoice value of 17 and a half percent over those 12 months now that is a combination of an increase in labor rate um, but it's also worth noting that the way that a garage hive customer uses garage hive means that they typically work to like fixed markup rules on their items so as their cost price increases, they retain their margin, which actually increases their net profit, which obviously increases the overall value of the parts that they're selling. So the 17.5% the is a combination of labor and, and parts increase, but 17.5% increase in average invoice value in 12 months is quite impressive, um, in my opinion. It absolutely is. You mentioned MOT trends there. You recently updated the MOT trends to include all MOT tests completed in 2022. Any standout stats from that data? Yeah, so th this was a project that we launched last year and it was all to do with um, helping the IMI on their 422 MOT consultation. So we wanted to understand in great detail whether changing the MOT testing period to the first test at four years and every other year was a good idea. We analysed all of the um, MOT tests that the DVSA publish and we came up with some pretty good conclusions as to why it was a bad idea. And then uh, a few months ago, they then released all of the 2022 data. So actually now on the trends website, there is a section called MOT data trends. And that includes 250 million lines of data analyzing the last four years MOT tests. That's available for anybody to look at. It's free of charge resources, about 20 reports on there. So what did you find in your analysis? So, so the one that I keep returning to, and this has been a, a common pattern in the last couple of years, is, is all around... Of course, the hot topic is all around electric vehicles. And this was actually one of the arguments against 422. So uh, what we concluded um, with absolute certainty is that EVs are more likely to fail on tyres than, than any other vehicle type, quite considerably as well. So looking at some of those sort of headline uh, figures then. So from this is from vehicles registered from 2016 onwards, which is when EVs were really introduced into the market. 
So 50% of all EV failures relate to tyres from vehicles registered after 2016. That's double, it's almost double that of a diesel. So twice as likely to fail on tyres as a diesel. And now diesels and EVs, as an average, have a very similar weight. So it's not just weight that's causing this. I actually think it's a lot to do with the torque, the torque delivery, the way people drive EVs, etc., is uh, resulting in uh, more tyre failures. And some EVs come out of the manufacturer plant with lower tread on the tyres, just as just as default. So um, they, they have less tyre to wear through to begin with. And then really interestingly, 21% of failure items on diesel are related to brake issues. And that's compared to 9% on EV. So it's the reverse story from tyres. Anyone who's driven an EV, particularly with one pedal driving, you'll know that most of the slowing down comes from the regenerative braking, where you don't actually press the brake pedal and it's quite common for you to actually complete a journey without pressing the brake, which is going to reduce the MOT failures that are as a result of the friction material wearing away. So whilst it's presenting new opportunities in the tyre market, there are going to be markets that are going to suffer as a result of EV taking a larger market share of the industry. It's a particularly interesting time to have this data at your fingertips, what with vehicle electrification and all of the other complexities of advancing automotive technologies that are filtering through. There are there are multiple camps, aren't there, where people think that this the future of the industry is going to go. Like you've got pro EV, you've got anti EV, you've got hydrogen fuel cell, you've got alternative fuels, and everybody has different ideas. But I think that you must utilize the information available to you to come to informed ideas. You know, don't don't just based on your own preference of vehicle try and make some assumption of how the future of the industry looks. I think that it's a bit daft to not utilize the data and just be aware, if, even if you're not gonna change um, your strategy in your business, at least be aware of the potential risk if you don't change your strategy in the business. You unveiled Trends 2.0 at the blend, which for the first time shows demand by production year and demand by fuel type, really insightful data. And that was with the aim to understand what the demand is by fuel type, at, to, just to create a future predictor of what the industry might actually look like. So we can see future bookings by fuel type, but really where the gold for me is, is we can now see revenue by fuel type and production year. And this is quite alarming to me, and I don't know what the answers are to this, but again, it comes down to be aware, make sure you are aware of what's coming and adjust your strategy to suit. So if we actually look at what some of these figures mean then, so I took a load of data from the government on the year uh, on, on the registrations by fuel type split by registration year so i can now see year by year what percentage split is by fuel type um that's not news to anybody we're all aware that diesels are on the decline and that alternative fuels are on the increase like that's just common knowledge in the industry but what trends has now done is we now have the same concept but split by revenue instead of percentage of market share of newly registered vehicles and that's kicked out some pretty staggering figures if i can be really blunt uh, so at the, at the time of this presentation if we take vehicles that were registered in 2020 for example we had 59 percent of revenue coming from 18 percent of the vehicles registered and again if we go to 2021 it's a similar story it's about 60 percent of the revenue in the aftermarket for vehicles registered in 2021 are coming from less than 12% of the overall vehicles registered. 
that pattern continues and it continues to decline in number of vehicles registered, but revenue remains consistent for diesels. So my question is, um, where is the EV revenue? Because it appears as though the garage hive community on a, on whole as an average aren't really working on electric vehicles there is the odd standout customer you're probably all aware of cleavy ev who runs a fantastic ev specialist business but i consider garage hive customers to be pretty much at the forefront of considering the future and the very forward-thinking business owners very invested most of them will be ev ready let's say but they're actually not doing an awful lot of EV work. So 0.5% of all revenue is EV. That's compared to 61% being diesel. So I'm not suggesting that this is a, a, a major time to panic. I'm not suggesting that this is this is going to be a complete disaster if, if EV fails. As I said earlier, I, I, I think that there are multiple uh, theories in what the future landscape of the car park looks like in terms of fuel type. And we all have our own ideas. But the one thing I think we can all agree on is that for the passenger car market, diesel is not coming back. And diesel is by far the highest revenue generator for the aftermarket. So what I'd like garage owners to get from this is what would you do today if the diesels were removed from your garage? Do you have a plan for that to happen? Because over the next X amount of years, it's difficult to predict. But I can say with absolute certainty that diesels are on the decline and it's not going anywhere. Uh, if we look at average invoice value, just again to give a bit more context, the average invoice value of a diesel is £318. The average invoice value of an EV is £180. The average invoice value of a petrol is £236. So right in the middle of... This is data that, as far as we're aware, hasn't ever been looked at into this level of detail. It really is very eye-opening. So what does it mean for Linlis, for example? How is this data informing your business decisions? So far, this data is based on over £20 million worth of revenue. So it's, a, it's not a little bit of data. It is a lot of data. I don't think it's ever been seen before. It alarmed me. I, I was already aware like Lindley's strategy has already been reasonably risk-averse in not committing too deeply into EV, um, but what we've what we've done as uh, as a result of this now is to make sure that whilst we've been EV qualified for the last few years, as most garage hive customers are, and lots of forward thinking garages now have an EV qualification and a few EV tools probably in the corner of the garage that are very rarely getting used, but it makes them feel EV ready. I'd like the emphasis to be more um, EV perceived, so. How do your customers perceive your garage when it comes to EV? Because if garage hive customers aren't yet doing the EV work, then as I said, where is it? Does, does, the, does the work exist? And if it does exist, who's doing the work? And I actually think that it's the dealerships, the franchise dealerships that are doing a much better job of retaining their customers for longer within their network. So they may be, you know, previously one to three years, they drop out the dealer network, come into the aftermarket, I think that dealers are feeling this pain today, and I believe that they're trying to keep hold of customers for longer, offering varying service plans, varying warranties. They're just doing a better job at retaining those customers that we may have got previously. They're now holding on to a bit longer. So for me, it's making sure that if, if you just explore what your customer journey looks like, if they were to look at your website or speak to one of your customer, uh, one of your front of house staff, would they be confident that you can, to their knowledge, look after their electric vehicle. Now we all know that it really for 99% of the jobs, it's no different to a petrol or diesel. 
but we actually need to make sure that you are perceived as EV qualified and you're shouting about being EV qualified. Now, there's not going to be too much work there yet, but when that work comes along, you have to make sure that you get hold of it. So for Lindel, as it is, uh, we, we are pushing um, into tyres. As I mentioned, tyres is a big opportunity. Uh, class 7 is a, is a huge, uh, when I say Class 7, I mean like commercial vehicles, is, is a really, is a growing industry, much more resilient to EVs. Um, there's not really a reduction in diesel, so um, we're considering opening a, a commercial workshop. And then moving more towards like a fast fit sort of setup. So and, and that obviously relies much less on uh, repairing diesels, for example. So we're kind of just spreading, spreading our bet a little bit. We're not going all in anywhere, but we're making sure that whichever, whatever happens, we can quickly change direction as we actually see the data develop and we become more confident that this is the direction that the industry is going in we can be sure that that's, we can quickly pivot down that path. So there's a real need for marketing at the moment. This is something that Matt Cleveley spoke really well about when he, in his blend presentation was, if you've got it, shout about it. And he is a great example of shouting about it because people have faith that he is EV capable. And most of the work that Matt will be doing is just service work. Like the majority of what he will be doing is just standard maintenance work but he's gained that reputation to do that work. And Matt is beating the dealerships in most areas. Looking at the Garage Hive community on Facebook, just the other day, I saw a fantastic new service reception area and waiting room. And that would certainly exceed the dealership level of what a customer might expect. That's the sort of thing that we should be aiming for. 100%. And that is that is the, the customers that would typically go into these dealerships that that's what they're used to that's what they're looking for um i think it was gary was it gary wood that you're referring to his, yes that's his the one reception is yeah i mean it was <laughs> you'd you'd be happy if that was your living room wouldn't you it'd be absolutely special but you imagine a, a, a customer leaving the dealer network and coming into that environment they're going to feel very very comfortable and he's probably won that customer for the lifetime of that car and, and maybe beyond that so it is about putting yourself at that standard and being perceived as professional. The independents in, in a lot of areas have much better expertise than the uh, some of the dealerships, um, but it comes down to that marketing perception. And that's something that the dealerships do very well. Looking ahead to the new year, any predictions on what we might expect from 2024? I, I don't think there's going, I, I, our industry has always been very resilient when there's been economic issues. So. I don't think there's going to be anything too dramatic to worry about. I, I can see customer behavior changing slightly and, and I don't have evidence of it, but anecdotally and speaking to um, lots of uh, the garage hive community is that they are starting to feel it get a little bit harder to get customers to authorize the work that they need doing on the cars. So I think that's going to become um, a bit more normal next year as you just got to work a bit harder to convince the customer. You know, if, if they if they need breaks, they might be hesitant to, to get that maintenance work done, for example. And that can you can combat that by offering things like payment plans, etc. So that there are ways around that. Um, but I'm always optimistic. I, I think that this year has been on the whole very, very positive for the industry. It's certainly been busy, and especially in its busy periods. I don't imagine it's going to be any less busy next year. You mentioned payment plans there. Have you noticed more customers requesting these? Yep. So in Lindley's, we are absolutely seeing more and more customers request that. And, and it's funny because I, I was actually talking to someone last night about it. And and I think that it's not necessarily even customers that 
are let's say struggling with cash it's they're just more comfortable to authorize work if they can spread those payments interest free so um i i think that it's an element of the economy being harder that's no doubt it is absolutely harder for people there is less money going around and inflation's high and interest rates are high but i actually think there's also consumer behavior and, and you know on every website you buy from now you can spread the payments spread the payments on everything so it's almost becoming expected in our industry that we also have that offering is there anything that garage owners should be doing now to hit the ground running in january what i do like to do is plan for the year ahead so next year we've set goals of in lindley's like big ambitious goals like targets to reach and achieve but without a doubt what you should be considering before the start of the year is actually looking at your budget looking at your gross profit calculator that we release it should be a monthly process but for those that don't do it monthly, I absolutely recommend that you do this exercise before the start of the next calendar year. We're now living in an era in these last couple of years where inflation is high, which means that as a business, you should probably consider inflationary pay rises if you haven't yet considered them before. Now, to understand what that looks like for your business, you have to know what your costs are to be able to model what those inflationary pay rises look like. And then it becomes much less scary doing an inflationary pay rise for your staff members when you can just adjust your labour rate by two or three pounds to cover the cost of those inflationary pay rises. What if, having looked at the numbers as you suggest, the figures present a disappointing reflection on business? What should the next move be? You're much better knowing it doesn't look right than just blindly walking ahead with it not being right and then and then you just get to experience it not being right by your running out of money or your bank balance slowly dwindling or those bills becoming harder to pay. Like businesses go through cycles, especially businesses that are progressing and businesses that are growing. You go through um, where your business bulks up with cost and then you have to slim back down or you need to increase your output to cover those costs. Like it's absolutely fine to go through these sort of swells in the business but you just have to keep your eye on it. It's one of a few things, isn't it? It's your output isn't enough to cover your costs. So you might not have enough technicians to cover the overheads. Your overheads might be too high. You might not be able to fit more technicians in. Your labor rate might, might not be high enough. And knowing it's not viable is a really good place to be compared to just not knowing, not knowing at all. Because at least you can make adjustments. At least you can make changes to the business and, and be really intentional about those changes and, and, and plan ahead. Thanks so much, Alex. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thank you for having me back on the podcast. And yeah, I look forward to, to speaking again. Thanks, as always, for listening to The Blend Podcast. And thanks to Dawn Metcalf and Alex Lindley for chatting with us today. Don't forget, please do subscribe to The Blend Podcast in your usual podcast player because we'll be back very soon with more community insight.